Real Life Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Tomplay in conjunction with iHeartRadio and Cloud 10 Media. sexual nature it should be for people that are 18 years or older heed my warning people i do not get the facts of these cases off of the internet or from some television show the facts i'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims my description of the crime scenes are what i saw with my own two eyes if you're gonna get offended Please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And before we get started, just want to say a quick couple things. Prayers going out to everybody in Louisiana still recovering. Me, myself, I'm still 17 days without power or water, you know, home destroyed, et cetera. But we're safe. Thank you for all your well wishes and prayers, and but you know, the whole whole lot of people out there who are in a lot worse situation than I am, and so we're going to keep praying for them, and you know everybody pull together, and we'll get through this. Okay. Secondly, the real life real crime community app on the App Store, y'all. I'm getting away from Facebook because of the censorship and everything else, and they have the seven. Seven different media pages or social media pages, et cetera. And instead of me having to go through and, and look at all those every day, I can go to one spot. But it's a lot more than just those seven pages. It's 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 daily updates on things. It's just so much. It's free. Go download it. You can check it out. It's awesome. It's well worth it. We have thirty, almost thirty six thousand members in the crew page. Getting away from me, y'all. I'm telling you, it's going to be in the app. Doesn't cost anything, and we're uncensored. That being said, let's get back to where we left off last week and start part three of Mr. Nice Guy. Now, first thing I want to say about it is Mr. Nice Guy. I caught some flack about naming this episode Mr. Nice Guy. Okay, because obviously this asshole is anything but Mr. Nice Guy, and it's it's the most sickening crime you can hear about. Guess what? Go back and listen to the first episode. I told you that Louisiana State Police Crime Lab collected a package of Mr. Nice Guy, which is the potpourri this asshole was smoking in his pipe from right by the door where they had to fight him, okay? That's what he was smoking. That's why I named the episode Mr. Nice Guy. And yes, I agree, he's anything but a nice guy. So when I left you last week, I was discussing how, or I was reading you his, his letters, his direct letters to the court, right? And I was discussing, I was at the point where how he, He's saying he's in this clear psychotic break, and he's having all these hallucinations and everything else, but, you know, he can remember everything, right? So he's full of shit. No, no doubt the dude was fucked up. I get that, right? No doubt he, but he's so, he wasn't so fucked up that he couldn't remember everything afterwards, including that he was, you know, punched in the face by cops. He was, 
taser, supposedly tasered in between his his testicles and his anus. And, and uh, even at the hospital, he knew the officer's name that allegedly pulled the barb out from that taint. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. When we say taint, it, it taints your balls and it taints your ass. <laughs> I'm going to say it anyway. I call that spot the taint because it taints your balls and it taints your ass. And I know it's not funny, y'all, but he remembers all this, right? But he, but in his pleadings, he's on a clear psychotic break. And the main thing that really pissed me off about everything thus far, all his ramblings, about how great he is and everything else, he never mentions killing his baby. And so we'll continue from there. So, but that's how we left you last. He rem he remembers everything, but he's under this clear psychotic break. Now, going back to his letters to the court. Now, remember, he's not even supposed to have an appeals process because he pled out. So, what I'm going to do, y'all, now is I'm going to continue with his letters to the court. Uh, a lot of it's legal mumbo jumbo, so I'm going to skip through some of it, and then I'll I'll get to the meat of the matter. And it's just going to you'll see what kind of special asshole this guy is. So he, his next challenge to the court is double jeopardy. He's saying he can't be tried for the murder of his wife, which he didn't die, but to, he pled to attempted uh, second-degree murder, uh, he, he, or whatever the fuck he pled to. He, he pled to the attempted murder, right? But he's saying he can't be charged for that charge, the attempt murder of his wife, and the murder of his baby. He's saying it's double jeopardy because they came from the same person. That's the fucking craziest thing I ever heard. And I hope I never have to hear it again. But I, I, let me just read a little bit to you, okay? And some of this is going to sound repetitive, but again, this is him saying the same thing. On October 23rd, 2012, the petitioner suffered a severe psychotic episode in a state of extreme fear and panic the petitioner managed to call 911 in an effort to get help. Shortly after the call connected, the petitioner completely lost touch with reality and began experiencing, then reacting to terrifying hallucinations. During this psychotic episode in which the petitioner was severely psychotic and unable to distinguish right from wrong, he severely injured his pregnant wife. Thankfully, the 911 call connected, making it possible for first responders to provide her with the medical attention she needed. Although the petitioner called 911 for himself, the call ended up saving the life of his wife. Uh, fucking hero, right? The petitioner's wife was brought to the hospital, and the fetus was brought to the funeral home in Denham Springs, Louisiana. Later that night, the funeral home cremated the fetus by mistake. The fetus was never examined by a licensed physician and an autopsy was never performed. No cause of death has ever been established, making the official cause of the death unknown. Now, y'all, on the last episode, when I started telling you about this, or on the first episode, even when I told you I burned the baby on an accident, I knew it was going to be a real problem for the prosecution. Okay? Because that, you know, that's the reason you do autopsies is so they can establish a cause of death. I can promise you the cause of death would have been the skull, not the slashes on his back and his buttocks, but when they said it was a jagged cut across almost from ear to ear, penetrating the skull on that baby. Ah, fuck, I wasn't there. I'm not a doctor, but I would think that would kill the baby. The baby was still attached to the umbilical cord at, the, at that time. Moving on. The state of Louisiana assumed the fetus died because of the tragedy, and they used the evidence from a separate offense to convict the petitioner. There are thousands of stillborn babies born every year, and with the victim's history of miscarriage, gestational diabetes, abdominal pain, and early contractions, there is reasonable doubt. Furthermore, the petitioner's wife was admitted and spent the night in the hospital less than a week before the tragedy, suffering from abdominal pain and real contractions. Mm, okay, 
It's the wife's fault now. He's going to he's gonna try to say the baby was dead before he sliced it up. Continuing, it is impossible to know for sure if the fetus was alive at the time of the tragedy. The petitioner's wife believes the unborn child was alive, but one must take into consideration that she was suffering from extreme blood loss and more than likely in a severe state of shock. It is unclear as to her mental condition at the time of the tragedy, making her statements questionable. Well, fuck, yeah. Yeah, you got it right. She was suffering from severe blood loss and probably in a state of shock. You lucky the motherfucker live because she hadn't, you'd be on death row. But go, go, going back and doesn't even call it his child. Just says the unborn child. The petitioner's wife believes the unborn child was alive. But one must take consideration she was suffering. Blah 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 blah. It is unclear as, as her. I don't, the fucking gall of this bastard, right? Now, I mean, uh, I'm just gonna continue. Because the funeral home destroyed the evidence. All right. That pisses me off. The evidence, not my my son, unborn or not, but because the funeral home destroyed the evidence. Now the his own child, his own child has been knocked down to the class of evidence because the funeral home destroyed the evidence, and an autopsy was never performed. The state of Louisiana used the same evidence from the attempted manslaughter charge to convict the petitioner of first-degree feticide. Because the state used the same evidence for the two separate offenses, it violated the double jeopardy principles, thus violating the rights of the defendants. Fuck you. I mean, come on, man. Doesn't even make any sense, all right? First of all, the state didn't convict you of shit, you fucking ass monkey. You fucking pled out to this. You agreed to this in open court sworn testimony the whole nine yards. So this shit, y'all, shouldn't even count, but just shows you, he he's not, shows no consideration, never calls it his baby that he mutilated, much less his wife. And, it, I mean, saying it's double jeopardy because they, he slashed his wife's stomach open, the, the attempted murder charge, that they used that evidence, and they had no evidence on the baby, the fetus, the fetus side, Bullshit. <sighs> Continuing, a defendant who killed the mother of his unborn child could not be convicted consistent with the state double jeopardy prin principles of both manslaughter and second-degree feticide because the same evidence was used to convict him of both crimes, state versus Smith, blah, blah, blah. Manslaughter and feticide were separate and distinct crimes because the killing of the mother was an element of manslaughter, not feticide, and the killing of the fetus was an element of feticide, not manslaughter. State versus Smith. Does it make any more sense to y'all than it does to me? Hearing the papers rustling, you know I gotta read this shit to y'all. Stupid. Continuing. Defendant's conviction for both feticide and murder violated the same evidence test and double jeopardy attached to the feticide conviction. The evidence needed to support the murder conviction was the same as for the feticide conviction, State versus Powell. In conclusion of claim two, the state knew the petitioner was not guilty of first-degree feticide and they didn't have the evidence to support a conviction, yet the state of Louisiana ignored the rights of the defendant. In addition, to knowing the petitioner did not have the required mental element of specific criminal intent for a conviction of first-degree feticide, the state continued to ignore the rights of the defendant by violating double jeopardy principles. The petitioner believes the conviction of first-degree feticide in this case is unconstitutional and should be reversed, then dropped altogether. The petitioner prays that justice will not be one-sided and the state will obey the law and correct its error. Again, he's a lawyer now, and he's telling the courts how to do their job, and he's saying the state got it wrong. Guess what, dick stick? You fucking confess to it in open court. You're not even supposed to have this appeal, but the world needs to know you don't give a fuck about your unborn baby.
continuing. All right, y'all, what I'm going to read you now is, is there's this rambling letter that he wrote to the court about his attorney and the district attorney. In the last week before trial, Jasper Brock, the public defender, tried everything he could think of in an effort to get the defendant to accept the plea agreement. He brought a laptop computer to the jail so he could show him the terrible crime scene photos and play the audio from the 911 call in which you could hear his wife screaming in the background. In parentheses, he puts, this emotionally tormented the defendant. Jasper Brock went on to say that the judge told him, and I quote, if he loves his wife like he says he does, he would not put her through this trial process. Jasper Brock said there was less than a 1% chance of winning the trial. He said that going to trial would be foolish and that the defendant would be making the second biggest mistake of his life with the first biggest mistake of having bought and smoked the synthetic marijuana in the first place. Jasper Brock said that the victim, parentheses, the defendant's wife, did not want to testify at the trial and was having extreme anxiety, panic attacks, and was an emotional torment knowing she may be forced to testify. Parentheses, the defendant was troubled by these statements and did not want to inflict any more pain on his wife. Well, well, husband of the year here, y'all. He's saying he's, first of all, Jasper Rock is a good dude. I went up against him a thousand times. I've done some private work for him on the defense side. He's a straight shooter, but he's actually doing his job, which is telling his client what your options are. Yeah, we can take this shit to trial, but you've got a less than 1% chance of losing, and they're going to hammer your ass, and that's the truth. And so he went out like a little bitch. He couldn't run like a little bitch, but he pled like a little bitch because he knew he was going to get the death penalty. Jasper is probably one of the best public defenders out there. And they, he, he doesn't just do public defender work, y'all. You have to be certified. He has his own private practice, but he takes on X amount of uh, public defender cases for the court. So, But then, then you go down to, you know, he's saying, yeah, you know, if you go to trial, this would be the biggest mistake besides you smoking that shit that said not for human consumption, right? And then, oh, but I'm so, really, I'm just, was tormented because they play, he played the 911 call and I got to see pictures of the crime scene. Well, bitch, you, a little while ago, you wrote to the court earlier that you remembered everything. So, but now you're worried about your wife's feeling. You weren't worried about your wife's feeling when you, you gut her like a fish and slice your baby up. The public defender said, the upcoming trial date was certain and would not be rescheduled like it had been in the past. The defendant called all of his witnesses to see if they had made preparations for trial. They all said they had not received a notice to appear in court. The defendant then realized that the state and the defense attorney had no intentions of going to trial and was depending on coercion in order to obtain the conviction they wanted. Well, that's bullshit too, y'all. When you come to trial week, the first day, they have they might have 50 people scheduled to go to trial, but it's the highest priority one, the one that's been waiting the longest. Not the highest priority by, by crime, but but how long it's been going on, et cetera. So what they would have done, done on Monday is they'd have taken a bunch of people. They'd have called this asshole in first. And if he was going to trial, they'd have made sure everybody would have been there, subpoenaed and, and sequestered properly. So they would have called him first. He's like, no, I'm taking the shit to trial. And then they would, they would have handled all that. So that's, that's bullshit. So back to it. Continuing. On September 17, 2015, after three years of parentheses, putting off court dates and three public defenders later, the state had the defendant backed into a corner. The state would not lower the charges to ones that did not require a specific cr criminal intent or to have actively desired to commit this terrible crime. The defendant made it clear to his attorney that he would not plead guilty to any crime requiring specific intent. The defendant went on to say that if he were to plead guilty to his current charges, 
he would be committing parentheses, perjury under oath and could get a new charge for entering that plea. All right. Specific intent. Yeah, let me tell you about specific intent. Specific intent doesn't mean you have to sit around and plan shit for a year on how you're going to dump the body and, you know, how you're going to kill them or hire whatever the fuck. Specific intent is this. If you're standing in your backyard with no electricity for 17 days like Woody Overton after the storm and it's hotter than fuck and a mosquito lands on your arm, which thousands of them do, a mosquito lands on your arm and it bites you. You look down, you feel the pain, you see the mosquito, it's biting you that fast and you just, bam, you kill that fucker, right? That is all that's required for specific intent. In my mind's eye, this douchebag smoked shit that he knew was not fit for human consumption. I don't give a shit how much. He researched the fancy websites and that he thought it, could, it was coming through the mail so it would be safe bullshit. It's no different if if you come over and I give you some bad moonshine and it makes you go blind 20 minutes later when you're driving your car and you, you kill somebody. You're absolutely fucking guilty, okay? Who's to say in his mind's eye what, at what point he decided, mm, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, Take, I'm going to cut my baby out of my wife's... First of all, I'm going to slash her throat. Then I'm going to cut, cut the baby out of her stomach and I'm going to dig around in it. At some point, you, there, when he picked up a knife, you can't say one way or another about smoking synthetic marijuana. You know, Obviously, he can remember everything that happened, so I don't believe the bullshit about the total break from reality. Probably had some hallucinations. Nah, I don't doubt that. I mean, but... At some point, he specifically picked up a knife and slit his wife's throat. And then, and I hate to keep saying it, y'all, but it's the damn truth. He cut her open and took that baby out and cut it up. All right? So, it's bullshit. Continuing. But, no, I, I got to go back for a second. I love he's down for first three feet aside. He is so blessed that his wife lived and my heart goes out to her it really does y'all that he's so blessed that she lived because he would be on death row but he he says i can't uh plead to anything guilty requiring specific intent because i might catch a perjury charge <laughs> honorable mr nice guy who doesn't want to catch a perjury charge continuing in the three years of pretrial, the defendant's public defender did not file any motions, although there were obvious reasons to do so. When the defendant asked about filing several motions, he replied by saying it would do no good because the judge would just deny it anyway. I believe I could have done a much better job of defending myself than what his services provided, which consisted of nothing. The thing that troubles me the most about our justice system that I once believed in is that everybody, all capitalizing bold, involved in the court proceedings knew they were going against what the law book says. The judge, the district attorney, the ADA, and the public defender knew these charges required specific intent for conviction but decided to ignore what our justice system is supposed to represent. Sadly, this experience has taught me that our justice system is about politics and getting reelected. Justice, fairness, and equality takes the back seat. Oh, Lord. Real lies, real crime. The world is racing to get back to normal and start meeting up in person again. But after a year we've all had, getting back to feeling normal takes time. I know it's taken me time to get in use y'all to going to meetings again and catching flights and stuff like that, and it just stresses me out. If you're feeling overwhelmed by it all, you're not alone. It's important to find the support you need to face those feelings and move forward. Y'all, I use Talkspace. It's an online counselor program, and if I need to talk to somebody and just blow off steam about anxiety or whatever, they're there for me. So whether you're a parent, student, 
millennial, or just someone having a hard day, Talkspace can provide the support to help you feel better with a single message. Talkspace offers individual and couples therapy in addition to medication prescription services. Set goals with your therapist, and they can help you make sure you're really progressing. Talkspace therapists help you develop tools to cope in difficult times. Talkspace works around your schedule at your convenience. Send and receive unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist in the app. Schedule live video sessions with your licensed therapist from anywhere. Whether you're experiencing depression, anxiety, or other problems, Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform to help you sort through any issue. Thousands of licensed therapists are available for you to match with. Talkspace therapists are experts in dozens of specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more, to help you start feeling better. Start feeling better with a single message. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with promo code REALCRIME. That's $100 off when you use code REALCRIME at Talkspace.com. I just don't even know what to say. The whole justice system was out to get him, right? They made him smoke that Mr. Nice Guy. They made him commit 99% of the time. He calls it a tragedy. I call it a fucking, a fucking horrific, beastly act. So now everybody's in cahoots, even his own attorney. They're all against him, and they doing it all for political reasons, okay? Continuing. In 2009 and 2010, Louisiana began experiencing increased incidents of individuals consuming synthetic cannabinoids. Uh, and y'all, I probably said it wrong. I de he definitely spelled it wrong. As alternatives to marijuana, as well as increased incidence of individuals consuming substances which mimic the effects of amphetamines and cocaine, which are marketed as bath salts, fertilizers, and insect repellent. These substances, which have been sold throughout Louisiana in retail establishments, have produced symptoms such as high blood pressure, severe hallucinations, anxiety, vomiting, seizures, delusions, and suicidal thoughts. The chemical compositions of these substances make them relatively easy to alter by chemists, resulting in the rapid production of new substances which circumvent statutes outlawing the production, manufacturing, possession, and distribution of controlled dangerous substances having similar abuse potential and pharmaceutical effects. Okay, get this. He's admitting, just in this part, right, that in 2009-2010, Louisiana begins experiencing increased incidence of individuals consuming synthetic shit that they're having more incidence of all this bad shit happening. Okay? But you, but you by your own words, say that these are marketed as bath salts, fertilizers, and insect repellent, bitch. They didn't, not synthetic marijuana. Am I gonna fucking smoke bath salts or eat bath salts? Am I gonna go chug down some fertilizer? Am I gonna snort some insect repellent? Fuck no, and you shouldn't have either. So there you are, continuing. These substances have not been approved by the United States Food and Drug Administration as being safe for human consumption and are not subject to any quality control measures in their preparation and do not have established dosages, making them extremely dangerous and potentially lethal. Yeah, I agree. And you should have thought about that before you fucking smoke that shit. Continuing, these substances have a high potential for abuse and no acceptable medical use and treatment in the United States. There is a lack of accepted safety for use of these substances under medical supervision, making them, making these substances highly addictive and potential lethal. Wait a minute, Hoss. You've, 
earlier, you were saying it's the greatest because you were better than the doctors. The doctors prescribed you your shit for anxiety or whatever the fuck your problem was, and it didn't really work for you, all these doctors. So you decided you are smarter. You were going to self-medicate with alcohol, and then, mm, you know what? But you never got a DWI. Remember that? Oh, that was beautiful. And so you you self-medicate with alcohol, but then you find this miracle drug. You said it. Oh, it relieved everything. I had more energy and I slept better. No more hangovers and the whole nine yards and best shit in the world. Now you telling the court it's not? Continuing. Y'all, on this, he discusses feticide. And I'm going to read it to you just so you know. And then at the bottom, he's going to tell you why he's not guilty of it, okay? And he got this wrong. What a dumbass. He put LSA-RS, it's LA-RS, 1432.6, first-degree feticide. First-degree feticide is the killing of an unborn child when the offender has a specific intent to kill or inflict great bodily harm or the killing of an unborn child when the offender is engaged in the act or attempted perpetration of an aggravated or first-degree rape, forceful or second-degree rape, aggravated arson, all the young... Y'all, the rest of the shit doesn't apply to him. The first part did. Argument and notes. First-degree feticide requires the accused offender to have a specific intent to kill or to be engaged in one or more of the, the listed felonies. Two, the court-appointed sanity commission concluded that the defendant suffered a complete break from reality and was unable to distinguish right from wrong during the commission of the offense that took place on October 2000, October 23rd, 2012. Bullshit, y'all. When he smoked that shit, it says not for human consumption. He is responsible for his actions, period. Continuing, third section. The defendant was not engaged in any of the listed felonies, nor did he have the required specific intent to do his mental condition during the commission of the offense. As a result, it is impossible for the defendant to be guilty of first-degree feticide. Yet, he is in prison doing time for that crime. One could say he may be guilty of second or third-degree feticide, but the fetus never received an autopsy. Therefore, no cause of death has ever been established. See the funeral home report. And y'all, you know, I don't know what the chances are of this baby being burned up and autopsy not getting done. I don't know why God let it happen like that, but it is what it is. But I think if it, if it had gone to trial, you get 12 normal people who have kids and grandkids and brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews, and they would have showed the photographs of the baby and the damage done to that baby. There's no doubt in my mind he'd have got convicted of first-degree feticide, period. So the specific intent, I argue that he specifically and with intent smoked that bad shit, Mr. Nice Guy. And it is what it is. Continuing, now he wants to talk about manslaughter. And again, he, he got, he fucking titled it wrong. A homicide, which would be either Article 30, first-degree murder, or Article 30.1, second-degree murder, but the offense is committed in a sudden passion or heat of blood immediately caused by provocation sufficient to deprive an average person of a self-control and cool reflection. Provocation shall not reduce a homicide to manslaughter if the jury finds that the offender's blood had actually cooled or that an average person's blood would have cooled at the time of the offense. Now, this is, his, this is the actual definition for manslaughter. Section two, a homicide committed without any intent to cause death or great bodily harm. All right, now he's going to attempt. Any person who having a specific intent to commit a crime does or omits an act for the purpose 
of and tending directly toward the accomplishing of his object is guilty of an attempt to commit the offense intended. And it shall be immaterial whether under the circumstances he would have actually accomplished his purpose. There's a reason I read those definitions. Here's his argument. This is his words. Number one, the offense was not committed in a sudden heat or passion because there was no provocation and no motive and no specific intent. The offense was a tragic act of insanity and possible criminal negligence. Y'all, you heard that? Possible criminal negligence. Continuing, the offense of manslaughter which has resulted in a fatality does not require the offender to have specific intent to kill or inflict great bodily harm. However, the victim did not die, and an attempt of any crime requires the offender to have a specific criminal intent to commit the intended crime. By convicting and sentencing the defendant of attempted manslaughter, states the defendant specifically intended to kill or inflict great bodily harm without having any specific intent to kill or inflict great bodily harm. This makes no sense and is simply impossible. <laughs> he wrote it. I didn't write it. But I want you to hear it, okay? Fucking idiot. All right, and this will be the next to last one, y'all, so just bear with me. The legal definition of insanity, L.A., and he got it wrong again, but it's L.A.R.S. 1414, insanity. If the circumstances indicate that because of a mental disease or mental defect, the offender was incapable of distinguishing right from wrong with reference to the conduct in question, the offender shall be exempt from criminal responsibility. He does one more. Intoxication, L-A-R-S, uh, 1415. The fact of an intoxicated or drug condition of the offender at the time of the commission of the crime is immaterial, except as follows. One, where the production of the intoxicated or drug condition has been involuntary, and the circumstances indicate this condition is the direct cause of the commission of the crime, the offender is exempt from criminal responsibility. Okay, it says it all right there. Where the, where the production of the intoxicated or drug condition has been involuntary. Guess what, bitch? It wasn't involuntary. You chose to smoke Mr. Nice Guy. You read the packaging, you researched it, you had, you didn't list anywhere in all your fucking research about possible side effects, right? Because I guarantee you they were out there. And when you, when you research the shit, and I have, it, it has all the, the negative shit, but you did it anyway. So you weren't drugged. You chose to smoke that shit. Continuing. Well, the circumstances indicate that an intoxicated or drug condition has precluded the presence of a specific criminal intent or special knowledge required in a particular crime. This fact constitutes a defense to a prosecution for that crime. Continuing, involuntary intoxication is where the offender is forced or deceived into the intoxicated condition so that it may be said to be involuntary. He is excused. Go fuck yourself. All right? He's saying that he was forced or deceived. Bitch, you weren't deceived that it was synthetic marijuana and full of chemicals. You just told the court on the last page I read to people how bad the shit was. You chose to smoke it. Nobody fucking put it in the pipe, put a gun to your head, and made you smoke it. You chose to smoke it, and you knew it wasn't fucking marijuana. You knew it was chemicals. So quit fucking lying. That's what I want to say. Continuing, and I'm almost done, y'all. Bear with me. Specific cr criminal intent. It is well settled that intoxication may, in some cases, be so great 
as to negate the specific intent or knowledge necessary in some cases. In this instance, the defense of intoxication may be raised. Uh, no, because you fucking chode for the fucking smoking. So here, here's his note, y'all. One could say the defendant was deceived by the makers and sellers of the synthetic mar marijuana. See the lawsuit filed by the victim. Two, there is no question in the lack of specific intent. Uh, fuck yourself. All right, and I'm going to conclude it right here. This is his conclusion, not mine. In conclusion of this pro se brief, if I were allowed another 31 pages, I could have easily filled them with how I had ineffective assistance of counsel and how I was coerced into believing I had no other options. During my sentencing on September 17, 2015, my anxiety levels were so high, I was shaking and crying. I believe I was not completely aware what was taking place in the courtroom. Furthermore, my attorney had assured me that a no contest plea was not the same as a guilty plea. During the sentencing, the ADA read out the original charges of attempted murder and first-degree feticide. I had to stop the ADA because that's not what I agreed to. The ADA fixed the attempted murder charge, but not the first-degree feticide charge. My public defender once again assured me that it didn't matter because I was not pleading guilty. So I pled no contest to attempted manslaughter and first-degree feticide, and I was under the impression that I kept my rights to appeal the pretrial issues. I pray the Court of Appeals will grant one of the following. Change my conviction and sentence to one that does not require specific criminal intent for, for conviction. Two, allow me to withdraw my plea in exchange for my original charges and await trial or new plea deal. Three, grant me the right to, to appeal pretrial issues. Thank you. 131 2018. All right, I'm going to address this. This is important and I'm shutting it down. Y'all, if he had another 31 pages, he could he could ramble more and more bullshit about how great he is and how he got fucked over, okay? During the sentencing, he had anxiety and was shaking and crying. Well, fuck yeah, I guess she did. Anybody that's about to get his ass handed to him on a silver platter is going to have anxiety. And I submit that you were crying not because of the anxiety. You were crying not because you were sorry you murdered your baby. You were crying because you got fucking caught. And, and you're so smart, you're so narcissistic that you thought this whole time, this three years, that you would get away with this shit. Guess what? When you stand up in the open court, it is a serious fucking deal, all right? The judge takes it serious. The DA takes it serious. Your attorney takes it serious. One reason why they don't want it brought up on appeal. No, no judge likes their shit to be turned over on appeal. The DA doesn't want to have to revisit this, right? But the deal is part of you taking a plea deal for your shit to be reduced is you waive your right to appeals. Period. But not this asshole. He's special. He, he's still trying to get his appeals in. But but I'm, I'm telling y'all, I've been in there so many times on my important cases. I know I tell y'all about a lot of cases where I say, I don't know what happened afterwards. They, it must have never went to trial because they called a plea. There are some of them that I went in on because they're really important to me, like monsters, right? I want to sit in the courtroom and that asshole got life in prison. But even... When he took the life in prison, they read all the charts. And guess what? You got to stand up in front of the court. And, and the judge, after the all the charges are read, the judge says, do you understand? And you go on record, yes. I mean, you freely and, and clearly of your own will making this plea, yes. You understand. You, you are waiving your right to appeals, yes. You understand you don't have to do this, yes. It is your wish to, to make this plea deal and enter it with the court now. Yes, look, I'm, t I'm telling y'all, he would have had to stand there 10 or 15 times in open court in the front of the microphone and say, yes, 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 I agree, I understand, I agree, I understand. The judges, I mean, they take it serious, y'all, okay? And, and that there's a reason for that. 
he loves to say how he believed in the legal system before. Well, I guess your wife probably believed in you before you fucking slit her throat and killed your baby, right? So I guess a people's opinions can change, but nobody fucked him over. He stood in open court and pled to this, but he's Superman. He's God. He can't believe that he did any wrong, right? I mean, even though, you know, I read all this shit to y'all, there was a reason for it. It, it, it. You go back to the beginning where I read you last week, and, you know, he talks about how great of a guy he is and blah, blah, blah. And then this week he talks about how horrible the synthetic marijuana is. Well, bitch, last week you were saying how great it was. I mean, there's a pattern here. But it, then it's everybody is wrong except for him. And the only mentions of the murder of his baby is when he has to address it on appeals. And that, and he's saying, uh, I didn't kill her. I didn't kill the baby. The baby's already dead. I mean, shit, my wife had problems with delivering a baby anyway. The baby is already dead. You can't prove it because you burnt the baby up. And, and I mean, that's the only mentions. The whole, whole rest of the time, it's a tragedy. It's about the love of his wife his ex-wife, and how fucking cold-blooded is it? I mean, and you read through the whole thing, and I guess he's got nothing better to do sitting in prison for the next 30 years, but he wants out. And he, in his mind's eye, he truly believes he deserves to get out. Hey, but don't forget, he's going to write a book about it, y'all. And fucking idiot. I mean, it's it's... Most horrible thing you could imagine. And what I'm going to do for y'all, and I hadn't planned on doing this, but next week I'm going to have an interview with the senior detective that was on the scene. And it is going to be straight up, raw, and unscripted. And, and I talked to him. I've known him for over 20 years. He's no longer in law enforcement like me. And he was there, and he told me shit that that I didn't I didn't even know about yet. Okay, and he told me shit that made me want to vomit. And I'm not I'm not bringing him on to sensationalize it. I'm bringing him on because it's real life, real crime. And I want you to have the personal element of a person who actually walked in. First of all, I had to deal with this asshole, but then walked in to that crime scene because it's worse than what I told y'all. It's worse than what's on the papers. When when he gets, he's going to describe everything to you, tell you what he saw, and it's going to be bad. So don't listen to it if you're sensitive. But it's important. And then that will be the end of the series. And it'll be totally raw and unscripted. Uh, it'll be a dialogue back and forth. I'm going to jump in and ask some questions as it goes. And I want you to hear this veteran law enforcement officer's professional opinion on this bad guy, Mr. Nice Guy. With that, I'll conclude this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And y'all, thank you everyone for listening and liking and sharing. Patreon members, convicts, y'all convicts are what we call uh, subscribers on the new Real Life Real Crime community app because it's so much more than just an app, y'all. The, the app is not where you just go download the episodes. The app has all these forums and groups and different things going on inside of it. So it's we call it the community. It's actually listed in the app store. It's the Real Life Real Crime community app. But we call the people who have subscribed there and the Patreon members who have swapped over their uh, subscription, which any of y'all can do, Patreon members, if you listen. It's um, it's not that big of a hassle. But anyway, we call them convicts. And so the different levels of subscription in there are named after tiers, like admin segregation, which is when you get locked up for in prison for a, a low court or high high court write up they put you in there, or you have to be separated for whatever reason. That's one tier. Then I think the next one is like work and cell block. That's where people who can't live inside of prisons and general population have to live 
because they rape other inmates or they attack officers or whatever. So it's a step up. And then, of course, the top one is death row. That's self-explanatory. Those are the different tier levels. But y'all just go over there and check it out. But uh, I just want to say thank you to the convicts who have moved over or the patron members who have moved over, the new convicts who have subscribed. This show could not run without you. And I appreciate it to all lifers. If you can't be a patron member or a convict, I get it. No sweat. I love you just as much. These are hard times, man, hard and uncertain times. But all your support and making us grow is priceless. Our new partnership with iHeartRadio and Cloud 10 Media, y'all, this week they're going to start running the commercials for Real Life Real Crime on all the different shows. So we're going to continue to grow. I'm thankful and we're blessed to have them as partners. And I just love each and every one of y'all so much. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And if you are a lifer from, give me some more, Toby. South Zimbabwe. <laughs> if you're a lifer from South Zimbabwe, I don't even know if I can say that right. And I certainly don't know where it is. But if you're a lifer from South Zimbabwe, and you want to be an organ donor, go to lopa.org. Y'all, that's the Louisiana Procurement Organ Agency. It's a nonprofit. They save lives every day. Take a minute, fill out that page, be an organ donor, give the gift of life. And with the COVID, man, the main thing with the COVID is the lung transplants, y'all. People are dying every day. The COVID is you know, destroying so many of their lungs, but that's one of them. But I, Lopa, so they just do good shit. I mean, I can't be, I'm not on the street anymore or on SWAT anymore, actively saving lives like that. And I know that, I mean, of course, I'm an organ donor. That They probably don't want my old shit anyway, but I, if by chance they can use something off of me, shit. I'd be saving another life. So go to lopa.org and be a hero. Sign up to be an organ donor. And I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on Murder by You. Peace. Get ready, you're gonna do Real Life Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Tomplay in conjunction with iHeartRadio and Cloud 10 Media.